I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Three weeks ago, we told you about ChatGPT, the experimental viral chatbot in town. It is believed to be the next big thing in the artificial intelligence. Some even think that ChatGPT could pose an existential threat to Google's core business, search. Before we dive into the ChatGPT versus Google debate, let's do a quick recap on what's ChatGPT and why there's so much buzz about it. So, OpenAI, a research firm backed by Microsoft and others, created ChatGPT. And what ChatGPT does is that it generates text automatically using written prompts in a highly developed and constructive way. The chatbot can even hold a conversation that's very human-like. So now, despite having its own set of limitations, such as giving false information, ChatGPT is making a noise in the chatbot industry. It's also being called a Google killer. According to a New York Times report, ChatGPT's unveiling prompted Google management to issue a quote-unquote code red. It basically means that if and when ChatGPT gets connected to the internet, it will be capable of getting into search engines, which will pose a serious threat to Google. Over two decades, Google has not just become the default for any internet user's search needs, but also a verb. Today, to Google something is to search something. However, that drain at the top could soon be facing its first big threat. Employees at Google, according to a CNBC report, recently questioned executives about whether ChatGPT was a missed opportunity. In response, reportedly, CEO Sundar Pichai and Jeff Dean. Google's AI head said that the company must proceed more cautiously due to the reputational risk presented by the technology. Pichai also believes that Google's AI language models are just as effective as those of OpenAI. Which brings us to Lambda, a Google chatbot that could compete with ChatGPT. Earlier this year, Lambda 2 made headlines for being referred to as "quote-unquote sentient" by one of its own engineers. Blake Lemoine, however, claimed in his most recent tweet that despite all the buzz surrounding ChatGPT, Google continues to be few years ahead with their advanced chatbot. In addition, as I already mentioned, OpenAI's ChatGPT has come under fire for a number of issues, such as producing incorrect facts, made-up quotes, and fabricated references. On the contrary, tech experts believe Lambda has an advantage in this situation due to the various metrics it generates in its responses. For instance, the groundedness metric validates the answers based on credible outside sources, and using criteria like sensibleness, specificity, and interestingness, the quality metric evaluates responses. Lambda basically makes sure that the responses are correct, original, and insightful, as well as witty. But now, the real problem is that Google is hesitant to introduce this new technology as a substitute for online search because it is unsuited to deliver digital ads. Which, by the way, contributed for more than 80% of the company's earnings last year. Another factor at play is the power of these new chatbots to mix fact and fiction, because they develop their abilities by studying vast amounts of data that are posted online. So the information they deliver may be sexist or racist, and so Google cannot leverage its AI model without endangering users or the society. Even Lambda is reportedly only accessible to a small group of users. Via the experimental app AI Test Kitchen. So, are chatbots impressive or creepy? 
I can't seem to make up my mind. For the next few minutes, you are going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy, and anything that leaves you with a food for thought. Hello, I'm Farheen Khan and this is the deep dive for 23rd December 2022. Turns out all the rumors about Justin Bieber making a deal with Hypnosis Songs Capital was true. He is about to sell his music rights to the investment and song management company reportedly for around 200 million dollars. So the deal hasn't been fully finalized yet, but depending on what all is agreed upon and what percentage of the back catalog is sold, Blackstone backed Hypnosis can earn revenue from Bieber's royalties. In certain deals, companies can also earn from hologram performances and even merchandise. We'll have to wait for those details, but quoting sources, a Wall Street Journal report said this could be the largest music rights acquisition for Hypnosis till date. And let me tell you something. Amid all the conversations around creative control that is going on in the world of music, this trend of selling back catalog really picked up since the start of the COVID pandemic. Several big names are opting for cash in lieu of ownership of their previously produced work. Bob Dylan did it. He sold his songwriting rights to Universal Music for a rumored sum of $300 million. Stevie Nicks sold about 80% of her back catalog, and Bruce Springsteen Well, he made a deal with Sony for a whopping 550 million dollars. But you might be wondering why are top musicians doing this in the first place? Well, CD sales have declined and music tours, which are a significant revenue stream, have also been on hold since the start of the pandemic. So offloading catalogs is just another source of income. For Bieber at least, that could be the case. I'm not saying it is, but it could be since he had to repeatedly postpone the remaining dates in his Justice tour. for an indefinite period firstly because of covid and then after because he got diagnosed with the ramsey hunt syndrome which causes facial paralysis but as an article on the rolling stones also points out it's not about paying bills those who are selling their music rights are not exactly hungry musicians for established artists like dylan for instance it's got to do with settling their estates or reaping tax benefits because earning royalties puts them in the higher tax category in the us Instead, they're opting for a hefty lump sum and pay lower taxes. Why the hell not? In any case, companies that are buying rights seem quite willing to pay big bucks. A recent hypnosis investor said that the company paid 14.76 times historic annual income to artists, which means 14.76 years worth of predicted royalty profits. The more seasoned the artist, the bigger the catalog is, the more money they get. But then why is Wall Street buying music catalogs? Why such a boom in buying and selling catalogs now? Well, for one, music royalties are becoming an attractive asset class under current market conditions of low yields and low interest rates because they're not exactly correlated to the capital markets. I mean, music seems immune to the pandemic thanks to streaming. What makes this situation even better is that streaming subscribers have only increased rapidly worldwide. If you've noticed, a lot of these investment companies are buying old music. That's because consumption of older songs has also increased, again, thanks to streaming services like Spotify. And so, Hypnosis that has now acquired 117 catalogs comprising over 57,836 songs, the company currently owns approximately a third of Spotify's 30 most played songs of all times as per report. That's a pretty penny. No wonder Blackstone, the investment company that acquired Hypnosis, 
is investing $1 billion in acquiring music rights. But traditional players are not likely to take this sitting down. On that note, we're signing off for this year. The Signal Daily team will be on a break next week on the account of Christmas and New Year's. We will see you again in 2023. Until then, stay tuned and Merry Christmas to everyone. The Signal Daily is produced in association with IBM. The episode was written, researched and produced by Manaswini and Shorburi, edited by Venkatanand, mastered and mixed by Prasenjit Das. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are thesignal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.